All right, let's hop back. In that, 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 that was another installment. Machine. I'm sorry, but that was another installment of Ben explaining a movie plot. I'm sure you all enjoyed Quit! it thoroughly. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the We Do Not Watch Everything podcast. My name's Phil. I'll be your co-host today. I'm here with the Mike Wazowski to my Sully. Oh, Kitty to my boo. We're uh, Ben Jones. We're, we're just making that comparison right off the bat. OK, <laughs> who's to say You're I'm not Sully? So I'd say. <laughs> I, oh. I'm literally the one saying it. So I don't know. Well, you're quite a ben bit Jones, how are you doing me. today <laughs> i'm i'm good um i'm fired up for another episode of pixar um as episode always number three yeah of pixar mania coming at you today we've got another era of six pixar movies fresh off the press the movies are not fresh off the press they're still they're still a few years old at this point but this episode is fresh off the press so to speak absolutely and this <laughs> this is an interesting era of pixar movies for us childhood we we didn't really see many of these yeah childhood attachment is not a thing with these movies little after our time yeah so i think with that you hadn't said, seen any of these six right no no and i just watched all of them in a row <laughs> so Got that's what we're going out um, but that I, I think that's a really interesting way to approach it though because no nostalgia or childhood memories or anything it's just you're watching them and discussing them as movies you've seen for the first time and this is pure unfiltered unbiased journalism here you're getting <laughs> professional critiques exactly you're not getting any fluff no emotion will be included in this pod <laughs> This okay, is well, strict fact. We'll see when we get to a good dinosaur how long that lasts for me. We'll but. see. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm definitely losing that bet once we get to Inside <laughs> Out as well. <laughs> it's funny. You said no emotion on the episode where we're talking about Inside Out. That's ironic. Some of these movies are sad. Yeah. But the movie that's literally about emotions, you chose to say that we're not going to have any emotion involved. I will keep it strictly to filmmaking critique. Okay. Well, you're up first with our first movie, so I'll let you do that I'm straight up off. First, yes. With uh, what movie number this? 13 in the Pixar June canon. 22nd, 2012, a little movie called Brave came out. This was one of the ones I had not seen. You hadn't seen any of them. I had nope. seen three of them before this. But this was one I had not seen. Honestly, we got a little sneak peek of it last week. How closely I pay attention to movie trailers. <laughs> Had no clue this was a Pixar movie when it came out. Yep. I remember <laughs> like I it was like McDonald's or Burger King, one of them. Sorry for the free ad, but there it is. Um, had like toys in their kids' meals. I obviously wasn't buying kids' meals at that time, but I saw this movie all over the place. It was marketed, and I just had no clue that it was a Pixar movie, and I had no desire to see it. So I didn't. And that's pretty much my whole story nostalgically with uh Brave. But so I, I didn't go in with super high expectations and the movie exceeded my expectations. I'm not going to lie. Okay. It is. Okay. It's, it's not perfect. It's, there's a lot of things you can say about it stylistically and some of the choices, but I think it did a lot of things right. And so as we like to do on the, we don't watch everything podcast, we like to pick out one little trait 
that we liked from each one. If you haven't watched or listened to the first two Pixar movies, we kind of go one at a time and pick something that we think makes a Pixar movie great that we will see across all Pixar movies typically. And for Brave, I might be wasting this one, this idea on a, instead of using it on a different movie, but it gives you kind of a, a good Pixar movie is going to give you a sneak peek into a life or a culture or something that you may not understand or have seen before. Okay. And so obviously the first thing that you're going to think of is, oh yeah, they're Scottish. We don't see Scottish things all that often. There's obviously Scottish television out there with Braveheart being the best example. It was hard not nailing freedom at times during this movie. <laughs> But what I'm really talking about here is how many awesome mother-daughter movies can you think of off the top of your head? You know, that's a very good point. <laughs> there's countless, there's countless father-son, there's type movies like that, like child mentor type things. There's very few mother-daughter movies. And like I, I could only think of a couple off the top of my head, Lady Bird being the main one. Um, I'm kind of blanking right now, but I did look up a couple earlier. I don't know if you wanted to pull any of those up, but Brave gives us this really beautiful story about a rebelling daughter and a mother who doesn't pay attention and things that go wrong. And even non-verbally, because if you haven't seen it, the mother gets turned into a bear. Which that was a huge surprise to me because... That was wild. I didn't know that was even a part of this movie based on what I knew from the marketing and just the general perception I had of it. I didn't think that had anything to do with the movie. Like I mm-hmm. thought this was completely uh, like princess, like growing up subversion of roles type of fairy mm-hmm. tale. Like she was going to be like a Robin Hood type character yeah. and just like, and I mean, we do get to see her shoot a bow quite a bit, but the bear thing like that happened and i'm like totally out of left field surprise (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so like i was saying like it's a very non-verbal story they don't get to communicate a lot you hear a lot from the daughter but you don't really get all that much from the mom until the very end when she becomes a human again and it that's kind of from the process of her sorry for the spoiler but if you haven't seen it go check it out but so yeah Un- under that under that logic then would you say because i know this, in terms of screen time and voice time and all that merida is the quote-unquote main character and she's kind of the selling point of the movie but don't you think mm-hmm. the mom is a little bit more of the actual main character slash hero of the story because she's the one who has the actual transformation and like the biggest challenge really of the story and the like most to overcome um what do you think about that? i mean in a in that sense yeah you would kind of think that she has maybe the most to do but in terms of like protagonist type things i mean also the main like the daughter and this is kind of the pro and antagonist which we've seen in a lot yeah. of pixar she, movies where she's like, the reason everything's going wrong <laughs> exactly and which is kind of a, another pixar trope that we've talked about a couple yeah, times sure but, like the person you think is the bad person is not always the person actually making things go wrong. But but the it's a very like, and another thing I thought it was going to be was like a like big sweeping epic tale. It's a very self-contained story, both mm-hmm. geographically and in like the circle of characters that it has. Like there's no mm-hmm. outward enemy they're fighting really. It's 
all of these conflicts are just taking place within um like their own family basically which is really yeah and like it's really it interesting stays within the tribes yeah the the part um because I, I i like this movie too um a lot more than i thought i would um the part where she, the mom first turns into a bear and there, she has to try to sneak her out of the castle so that, um, so yeah. So the dad is like his life ambition is like to hunt bears because a bear earlier mm-hmm. in his life, like took his leg. Um, so he hates bears and he has like bear skins all over the castle. And that's his like lifelong obsession. He and practices so, archery on bear <laughs> hides and whatnot. And so mom turning into a bear is like the worst case scenario. So when they're trying to sneak her out of the castle, um, all of the wacky hijinks go along with that. That was really well done. Um, and I was pretty much sold at that point. But yeah, pleasant surprise to be sure. I'm brave. Big fan of the uh, the three little boys in this yes. movie. Yeah, used very Especially well. Especially once they also turn into bears. <laughs> they were great. That was such a nice touch. Like, I think they could have just left it how it was like once they um like they helped sneak they helped sneak them out of the castle and they could have just like left them alone at that point but then the nice touch is they show the pastry that the mom ate which turned her into a bear and they see it and lick their lips and they're like oh no it's about to get a whole lot yeah. weirder <laughs> it was the it was a perfect like lighthearted touch that this movie needed yeah yeah so yeah all right. Very pleasantly so, surprised. Number movie number one down. Let's take a trip into the time travel Pixar machine and tra- travel exactly one year almost. Yeah. June 21st, 2013. A prequel sort of movie came out. What do you got, Ben? We have Monsters University. Um, wouldn't call it a sequel. I think you're right to call it a prequel, just chronologically. Um, and the characteristic I, I have for this one is um, it, it sounds kind of general, but it's a story with levity. Um, not, not that the movie has levity or the movie's funny, but just the, like the story itself. So this is one where they, it's Wait, not give a me very a second. Give me a second. I got to Google what levity means. <laughs> I'm just throwing down, throwing around million dollar words around here journalism major <laughs> i'm just kidding i know what it means it just means humor right yeah Is that how you're using? okay <laughs> <He's> smart guy <laughs> it's, hey, it's a funny movie but no but i'm not saying it's just a funny movie though it is a funny movie the story is written kind of light um and we, we talked about with the first with with monsters inc how the idea of like monsters and this really weird like scary concept kind of turned on its head so it's humorous this is like, it has the same thing going on, except even the whole story itself, there's like a lot less at stake, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes sense being earlier in Mike and Sully's lives before they had matured. And like the decisions they're making have a lot less like impact and everything. It just, it feels, it feels nice and light. Um, them just running around at college, getting into trouble. It's like, you know, nothing they're doing is like of that much consequence, but it's still a good way to understand like how they became who they are um, and understand how the other people in the story became how they did as well, particularly Randall. Um, mm. And they handled that one really well, I think. Uh, Cause like you meet him and like, he's not scary at all. He's just this geek. And then slowly through the story, he's, he's, de- he's far from the main character, but he falls in with the wrong crowd and kind of becomes stuck up and evil and like a scary monster. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and you see just how unscary and flawed Sully and Mike Wazowski are um, <laughs> through the whole thing. So I, I enjoyed this one as well as, as an easy watch compared to a lot of the other movies in this era. That's why I use the word levity because it, it just feels a lot lighter, a lot less intense, um, more just like a stroll down memory lane than anything. Um, but just a nice solid prequel movie that doesn't try to do too much and it is what it is do you think they gave you what you needed with the characters or did they you think they tried to do too much with them did it feel like mike and sully to you it did it felt like an undeveloped mike and sully which is kind of the point um yeah. it, was, it was definitely more of a mike story than a sully story mm-hmm. the, the the vibe i got watching this was a kind of a 22 jump street thing um that uh, channing tatum as especially Channing Tatum and Sully, but just the way they play off of each other and kind of the um, comedic situations they get themselves into. Um, they had a lot of flashbacks to that. Um, maybe that's why I enjoyed it so much because I was associating it with something else. But didn't this movie come out before 22 Jump Street 2? I don't, I don't remember. We'll, we'll give this. I was a... thinking 22 is more like. 14 or 15 but that's not the point of this podcast 22 jump street was 2014 so that would have been after this actually so 22 jump street was ripping off monsters university apparently pretty much yeah i mean tall jacked guy short fat guy yeah but more so than that just like their personalities and yeah yeah what are your thoughts on monsters university it has been a long time since I've seen that. And this whole time I've been dying for you to remind me of what the plot of this movie was because <laughs> I realized I totally forgot it. Yes. So essentially it's just Mike and Sully meet each other at college, at Scare College essentially. Um, and Sully is like stuck up and like doesn't really try hard, but he's like naturally scary. Mike is not, yeah, Mike is not scary, but he's like, super smart and like studies and knows all the techniques and they I've kind of forgotten the plot already, honestly, but um, they Mike gets into big trouble and basically like gets expelled, but he convinces the Dean to let him do this thing. It's like this campus wide scare competition. It's like this set of challenges that like you compete against other teams with. And, um, it, it, Mike convinces her to like, if, if his team wins, then he gets to stay like at the college. So, and solely like out of pride, like teams up with him and, um, they, yeah, they team up and they do all these competitions. Yeah. It's that's not friends for life. That's not really how we became friends. Isn't it scare competition? I had to save you from getting expelled somehow. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hop back. In that, 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 that was another installment. Machine. I'm sorry, but that was another installment of Ben explaining a movie plot. I'm sure you all enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> we actually, Pixar missed a year. 2014, Pixar didn't release anything. Yep. I don't know what was going on. Oh, actually, I do. They were taking their time making one of the best movies of all time. I was about to say that. 
in June 19, 2015, a little movie called Inside Out, starring Amy Poehler, Mini, Mindy Kaling, Rashida Jones. She's has like a very small part in this, but I remembered her name, so I had to say it. Came out called Inside Out. I said that maybe, but holy cow. I've seen this movie a few times. It blew me away the first time I saw it. It blew me away a day or two ago when I rewatched it. And I honestly don't even know if I have any like specific quality to bring out besides it just makes you feel accepted, makes you feel good. Hmm. It knows you better than it knows you like it knows you better than you know yourself almost. Wow. I mean, just to, there, there's like there's actual professional like children therapists who use this movie to help kids who struggle to explain their emotions. Yeah, like they use this movie to actually train kids how to feel things. Well, and that's and, the like, thing. Express it. It's it's a movie that its whole task is to put into story form something that cannot be told as a story. It's something that's mm-hmm. inexplicable. Like you can't do it. Like you can't in this way explain emotions and like what they are and how they work. And yet it's like the closest thing to it. Like it's so perfect. (laughs) It is. This movie is fantastic. It it has everything a good Pixar movie should have. I'm saying it right now at the end of all this, we're going to tier all of the Pixar movies. We're not going to flat out rank them, but we're going to put them into tiers like the top shelf to the bottom shelf. And in, in Inside's Out is a top shelf lock for me. Okay, it's it's gonna it's gonna be in there. It's it's my first lock that All we've right. gotten to. So your far. first one, the first one, yeah. Wow. I mean, there's a couple others that definitely will be in there, but this is the first hard lock that I'm putting up in the top shelf. This movie is fantastic. The voice acting is incredible. Amy Poehler is out of her mind good in this movie. Oh yeah. It was a perfectly cast movie for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Even getting Phyllis to play sadness was just yeah. What (laughs) this movie is out like like you were saying out of this world creative. It has characters you care about as the actual emotions, and then I I really related to the girl in the movie as well. Like being the new kid who moved halfway across the country, Mm -hmm. like is not easy, especially when your parents need you to be strong and to not be sad about it and to be able and to support them at the same time like that's a lot to put on a kid and it it, it is hard to know what you're feeling at that time so it i i know we said we were going to be non-emotional on this pod <laughs> but i told you i'd break it uh i don't know if i could ever watch this movie and not cry like when she when everything kind of comes rushing in and she's, she came, comes back from trying to run away and she cries. Like I'm going to, I cry every single time I see that it's, it's impossible not to respect. Yeah. It's, yeah it's also very well there's an imaginary friend voiced by Richard kind in this movie. He's fantastic. <laughs> He's it's like, why does every Pixar movie not have Richard kind in it? He's the perfect <laughs> voice actor for Pixar movie. <laughs> He's the Jason Segal and of Pixar movies. He honestly should be. And, Bing Bong is a great character. That was so fun. Yeah. Is that his name, Bing Bong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this was the first time you'd ever seen it, and I I'm dying to know how you feel. I I love this movie. Um, I was blown away as well. Um, it hits you on every level. Um, it's entertaining. It's emotional. You laugh, but 
but not out of it being like silly. It's like very well set up comedic things and interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the chemistry between the different emotions is great and how they like physically remove like the two biggest and most conflicting emotions from the mix. And like while their story mm-hmm. and travel is interesting, it's the, the other ones that are left and their interactions, how they just don't mix at all. And like what happens when they're the only ones there. It's like, what if the only things you could feel were disgust, um, fear, and anger? And yeah, what a, <laughs> what a roller coaster of an existence that would be. <laughs> and it's, and then another funny thing is when they like, they do quick cutaways to like other people's minds and emotions mm-hmm. and what's going That's on. That's so funny. And those are so well done too. Like when the dad is just like, he's completely zoning out and just daydreaming. She's giving us that look him, again. Of dreaming about himself playing hockey. Yeah, that's very um, crisis averted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I the the ending when the she knocks into the boy and it goes in the boy's mind, just girl, girl. <laughs> yeah, that that's very true. Like classic. You, you only laugh because you know it's hundred percent true. It's exactly how it was. It was just yeah. like all you could think about was just don't freak out, don't freak out. <laughs> Well, yeah, all right, Ben. I, I love this movie. So, <laughs> do we want to keep talking about Inside Out, or do we want? To I'm sure on? you have plenty more to say about Inside Out. It's, I don't know. I don't know, man. Pete Doctor, what, what are you doing? Like, where do you live? Like, did Doctor Seuss die and reincarnate himself as Pete Doctor? Like, how did you come up with this? Like, there's people who just decide like there's little brain emotion guys who get rid of fading memories and also torture you with gum songs all the time because you can't forget them. Like it's like, where, where did that come from? Like how, like he was just thinking one day about like, why is this gum song coming into my head? And then he just <laughs> that, that made a made, story about all these the little people running his... <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, it just I, even like it, it like just messes with like the emotions people too. Cause it's like, they'll mm-hmm. be in the middle of something and then out of nowhere, just pops like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sometimes for fun, we just shoot this gum jingle from 10 years ago up. <laughs> Another super interesting thing is how like each character you get a peek into, like is a different emotion is taking control each time. Yeah. Yeah. So with like the main girl character, joy was the main character. It was the main emotion. With the mom, sadness was the one at the wheel. And then with the dad, I think it was like anger or fear or something. I don't remember. But each each character had a different emotion in charge. So Ben. At, at that particular moment. No, like Joy Joy was the captain of the team, essentially, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like each each team had a captain. Like they would each take turns at the wheel, but each team had a captain. Mm-hmm. But and like what, sadness no, was the mom's. What what I'm saying though is that it when they flash into those other minds, that could have just been the person who was at the wheel at that particular moment, though. I was leading towards a prompt, and you're ruining it. Uh, you I, okay. giant butthead. Don't let me ruin it. Just continue. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> All right then. Well, I was gonna ask, what emotion do you think would be the captain of your emotion team? Like for me personally. Yeah. Who, who, which emotion do you think is your captain? It depends on the day. Like, 
Um, today. Today? Maybe discussed. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's podcast time. Discussed was kind of relatable. Discussed. <laughs> That's not one that you would think of as like an emotion, but it, it actually makes a lot of sense in how many situations you popped up in. And perfect casting choice for that as well. Oh, yeah. She was fantastic. Just killed it. <laughs> All right. Segway time. So we didn't get one in 2014, but they made up for it by giving us two in 2015. November 25th. 2015 a little movie called the good dinosaur came out and my i reiterate the same as brave i had no clue that this was a pixar movie when it was coming out maybe it was because there were two that year and it just kind of fell between the cracks but still haven't seen all of it i've seen the first 20 minutes but you know life is life so ben hit us up with some knowledge about the good dinosaur the good dinosaur well if we're continuing off the framework of inside out where we have individual emotion characters controlling things, I think literally every emotion decided to take a day off for this movie, except for sadness, because this is a sad, depressing movie. movie. (laughs) I'm sure you've picked up on that in the first like 25 minutes, but it doesn't get a lot less sad than how it starts out. Yeah. <laughs> should I even watch the rest of it? You should. I mean, it, it resolves, but um, it's heavy. It feels very much apart and from a different cloth than the other Pixar movies. Um, I, I'll just lead into the quality I have about it because the best thing about it is um, the quality is stunning. Um, I don't want to say just stunning animation, but um landscape and concept it's a a visual delight that yeah the the, on par with nomadland funny enough francis mcdormand is a voice actress in this movie she's the mom well i will watch the rest of it i didn't realize that (laughs) i didn't realize that till i went looked it up after finishing it and um francis is bay yeah very limited part in this movie though um quite honestly pretty underused oh um Wolf. But no, the, the 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 landscape and the universe of this movie is absolutely stunning. Um, like the first scene when I was watching it, like when it's just like this, this panning shot over over like, like the mountains and the forest and the river, it looked like real life. It didn't even look like animation. And like I was like, wait, did I, did I like start the wrong movie? Like this isn't animated. <laughs> but it, it's like that all the way through. It's just absolutely gorgeous visuals and. The, the like prehistoric universe um, and like switching between environments is really well done. And then like the animals themselves and the dinosaurs are a little more cartoonish, but not like annoyingly. So, and it's kind of a nice contrast where the characters are a little more, um, a little more at, like cartoonish, like I said, in this very like real world environment. But aside from that, I don't have a ton of good things to say about this movie. I didn't hate it. I was just very sad the whole time. And I hated that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very disgust. intense. Not, not disgust. Cause I mean, it's, it's a competent movie and it's not, it doesn't bring shame to Pixar. It just, it doesn't have, it has almost no laughs. Like, I don't know how many times you've laughed so far, but 
there's not a lot of that in this. Well, the first, I, I would imagine that the first like chunk of this is probably like the most comedic part, like him running away from the chickens and his brother playing pranks on him and stuff yeah. like that. But unless I watched the wrong movie, <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's but... part of this movie. <laughs> but like, it's, it's like the subject matter. It's not that there aren't like a couple little funny incidents here and there, but like the subject matter is just it's so dark and like it's just, you're he's in a dark place the whole time. And like you feel the weight of that, and it's hard to like laugh as these things are going on. Um, would Would you share this movie with your kids? It would be hard to. It's like like I at this age, I was like depressed, sad watching it, and I don't want to subject someone else, much less my kid, to that. Is that's fair? Which is why it doesn't quite feel Pixar. Um, not to take away from like the skill of making the movie, because they're good things about it it looks yeah but it doesn't have quite that anyone couldn't yeah yeah that's a good way to put it and maybe it makes sense because um the people whose fingerprints are all over this from director to writer to screenplay it's people who had like nothing to do with any of the other pixar movies and it was very much um deep cut yeah Strict I, I, facts here at the We Don't Watch Everything podcast. Yeah, it's probably a um, forgotten child of the Pixar franchise, and I definitely understand why. The other thing about it, it what I noticed, especially about all the movies in this uh, era, was all of these movies have, like, the, the characters go on these wild adventures and meet these zany, wacky char- other characters, and funny things happen, and they're all these interesting people. Like, there's, like, not really much of that in The Good Dinosaur, like there's this journey that happens, but there's just this lack of people and lack of interesting people that are met along the way. Lack of a heat check character for the, for comedic timing and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone is just either evil and bloodthirsty or uninteresting or just non-existent. Well, you sold me. I'm interested in checking out the rest of this. Actually, (laughs) I think it's worth it just to compare, but um cool it just feels very weird and out of place but i i'll i'll i'll, I'll be done talking about this before i get more depressed and hand the baton oh, back to you i'm sorry buddy all right so back onto the june time frame and back onto the one a year uh june 17th 2016 we got a long awaited do you, would you say it was awaited or did it just kind of happen i don't I think know people what were like the, this. i don't i, I, I wasn't wanting so. it no it wasn't like The Incredibles where it was like people, people had been dying for yeah. it for so well, long. And, and because of the cliffhanger. Like they, they tied up Finding Nemo with a nice bow and they could have just left it mm-hmm. there. The Incredibles, like the cliffhanger ending, people wanted more. But yeah, so in 2016, we got Finding Dory, the long-awaited sequel to Finding Nemo. And then it, it the funny thing to me was kind of like Incredibles 2, it took so long to get the movie and then like the first shot of the movie it's like one year later from the end of the first one yeah so it's like okay gotta put myself back to where i was a long time we're like what's going on with these people but finding dory i don't know is i don't know if it's good or if it's bad i know that i heard it here first i know that i in it's i know it's worth a watch and I know I enjoyed a, a majority of the movie, even in light of the news that Ellen DeGeneres' show is being canceled. Although apparently, apparently she's, she's a meanie. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know if you need to be sad. <laughs> but I was I I think I think Dory the character has been in our lives for so long that it's very easy to separate her from Ellen and mm-hmm. Ellen is simply just the voice, mm-hmm. the medium that brings us Dory. So Dory means honestly in, in my life I've never really watched the Ellen DeGeneres show like Dory means more to me than Ellen is, right. does. So um, it, it's pretty easy for me to make the separation at least. But like we said, it wasn't necessarily something people had been waiting for or asking. I don't, I'm sure some people were asking for it, but it just kind of felt like something they decided to do. And they had a script that they must have liked. And I liked it. I liked the script. It's, it's a good idea. They, the quality I'm going to say is that they give you not necessarily what you always want, but they're going to give you what you need. Okay. Okay. The what I what I like about the Finding Dory sequel is that it ties bows on the characters. Sure. Even even at the end of Finding Nemo, there's questions like, "How is Nemo gonna grow up? How is Marvin? Mar- Marlin. 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 How is I always want to say Marvin? How is Marlin gonna gonna grow and be a more accepting father and let his son grow up without?" Not as sheltered, I guess. Yeah. What is Dory doing? Like, how is she going to heal? Is she is she going to find her place in this world? Where does she fit in? All this stuff. And Finding Dory as a movie has its issues. I think it's too long. I think they introduce too many characters and introduce too many problems that they try to get over. Like the the whale and the beluga and how they each have their own issues that they, they each need their own screen time to surpass their own issues and they try to just take care that they try to play therapist with too many characters i think (laughs) and they should have just stuck to the main storyline but that's the polar opposite that's the polar opposite of the good dinosaur the good dinosaur is we're gonna have no characters and all of the world's problems are focused on one poor guy anyway continue (laughs) (laughs) well like i was saying I think they did too much, but at the same time, everything they kind of did still ended up working. Mm-hmm. It just kind of prolonged the movie. And even there were like two or three places the movie could have ended and it would have been good. They decided to continue it, but it still worked. And one or two of the times I think it added, I, we can get real technical later on if we want. But overall, I think it gave us what we needed for those characters. I don't think it was a waste of a revisit type of situation. There's a lot of times where movies will get sequels where it's like, well, this didn't need to be made. Karate Kid. Oh, come on. (laughs) Come on. No, I'm kidding. Pure gold. Um, Well, I was thinking more of the next Karate Kid. Why did that get made? Like, it didn't need, like, I don't know. Oh, my goodness. But Chalk went up in the Karate Kid scoreboard for Eric. Episodes. Quiet. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> Anytime Karate Kid Four gets brought up, it that's gave an us what we needed with those characters. I think it was a great close to the to the to the brand. Brought it all together, and I'm happy. I hope they don't keep making more Nemo movies. <laughs> I don't know what else they could do at this point, honestly. Unless there's like ten years from now, they come out with this super dark. R-rated. Nemo's a fish detective. 
with a bad flipper and <laughs> limp swims around and solves crimes with a nasty attitude. The I'd bad, be there for that. The, but I would too. The bad flipper didn't even like come up in this movie. I forgot that that was a thing until you just now mentioned it. Yeah, it didn't hold him back at all. In fact, Nemo and Marlin are like they're very much the B story in this movie. It's it's a, it's okay. it's very much a Dory movie, which is fine. Um, I don't which, know what else they could have done. It's not even finding like, finding Dory is a misleading title. Dory yeah. is not lost. Dory Dory's, is looking for her parents. But it's a story about Dory finding herself, which oh, sappy. Oh man, this <laughs> the movie got better when you said that. I'm not gonna lie. But when you when you watch enough. okay when when you watch enough Pixar movies in a row, you kind of start to see these pieces put it together yeah but no i i enjoyed this one too i think you bring up a lot of good points about the length and kind of too much stuffed into it i enjoyed the second half a lot more than the first half um when things just kind of start coming together and picking up uh the the chase scene at the end where the octopus is driving the car that reminded me of i was getting over the <laughs> over hedge the hedge flashbacks yeah. um that's yeah that's creative shout out to michael fry yeah <laughs> Uh, sorry, we uh, weren't very kind to your movie. <laughs> um, we were fine. I wasn't very kind. I'm cruel. But yeah, I again, I don't know if it's movie had to be made, but they did fine with it. And I enjoyed a lot of it. I watched it in like segments, which may have helped. I didn't feel the length as much because I watched it in, I think, three or four sittings. So, you know, maybe looking at it a little bit more episodically. Yeah, helped. as a TV show, it would have been great. Yeah. But I think that's probably enough to wrap up our Finding Dory discussion. I could not be more excited for the conclusion of this episode. A franchise you have openly discussed not liking very much. I think, are we in agreement that Cars 2 so far is probably the worst Pixar movie? I actually haven't even seen Cars 2. I'm so upset. <laughs> So do you think Cars 1 is the worst from all the movies we've discussed so far? It's up there. Down there. Down. It's up there with being the worst. I think it's, yeah, I would say it's the worst. It's my least favorite. Wow. Hater. Well, but with that it's hard being to put any said, single one. With that being said, how, <laughs> how, you didn't see Cars 2. How do you feel about Cars 3? Or did you I, protest and not even watch I, no, it? No, I, I watched it. I Although I was definitely saving it for the end and I almost didn't get it finished before the podcast because I was putting it off. But I'm like, oh, I should probably gut this out and watch it. And I was pleasantly surprised. I told you it's not that bad. It's because my favorite of the three. They, from what I remember of the first one, I think they just scrapped a lot of it and they made just a solid sports movie. That's the best yeah. way I can describe this. Um, About an aging race car who's got to learn how to do his thing and yeah. move on. And and so the, yeah. the quality that I will insert with Cars 3 is Pixar knows how to adjust. I think they heard loud and clear the, the things, unspeakable things being flung at their first not their first, not the first movie necessarily, but the second one, because I know that's pretty universally uh, despised. Disliked. Yeah. They heard the echoes in time of our scathing podcast. <laughs> and uh, Mater is like barely in this. He shows Which up for like choice. three scenes. 
Um, and you think it's going to be a Lightning McQueen movie, but it's not even that, mm-hmm. strangely enough. Um, which is, and they don't really fully reveal that until the very, the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. And then you realize like, oh, it kind of, it has been building up to this. Um, where he's uh, the Doc Hudson of this movie. He almost. is. That's his name, right? Yeah. Uh, Cruz Ramirez, who is actually training him. So uh, Lightning is basically, he's starting to fall off. The young, the young bucks are starting to catch up to him. I love the parallel in this of like all the new people are using like analytics and like math mm-hmm. to train such a great like connection to modern day sports with like the numbers thing taking over the statistics Pixar's and all that money ball. Yeah. And like, he, he's, he's just not about that. And he goes and does like this Rocky four style training off in the middle of nowhere. Um, There's also a Rocky three scene, isn't there with the, the beach race. That's Doesn't probably race a car on the beach. Yeah. I, I was just thinking yeah. of when he goes into Siberia into the snow and is doing all that stuff. But um, and he's going off and training on his own. But really, the story ends up revolving around his trainer, who is an aspiring racer, but kind of fell into just training other cars and helping her find her passion and become better. And he passes the torch at the very end and realizes he's not the one who has to prove something. It's about helping someone else. And it was a welcome change um, and good, solid character development. It would have felt kind of cheap if it's just lightning finds himself and wins a race because it's like that's like what that's what cars 2 was like we don't no, need that. not really that's what cars 1 was but we've, we've been there i would encourage you to watch cars 2 just yeah, to finish off the, I know the I series how did you feel about the voice performances because one of my critiques of cars 2 was that owen wilson kind of phoned it in it didn't really seem like he cared that much i thought it, he was, was he back he was, in he was pretty good in this one um cool but it's i think it's a the side characters that really pitch in Cristela Alonso as uh, Ramirez was very good. Uh, Top notch. Yeah. And I, I love, I just love the set piece of when, when lightnings he's trying to like prove, he's like trying to go practice and prove that he's still like has speed. And he goes off to like that dirt track race in the middle of nowhere where no one's going to recognize him. He like disguises himself, but then they find out it's like a monster truck rally battle. they're like throwing saws at each other and trying to ram each other and just the like the i don't give a frick attitude of like the other cars that are ramming (laughs) into them it's like just absolutely wild yeah that that was very well done very creative Uh, i i was i'm glad that it was not creatively bankrupt and trying to just keep drawing on this well that's definitely dry uh they made a very good pivot and i have a lot of respect for them for doing that you have respect for Pixar, as do I. And out of respect for Pixar, I believe it should be time for us to stop talking about their movies because who knows what we know. But we've been doing this at the end. We have another era of six movies down. Any ideas on what we should name this era of movies? Uh, pretty pretty easy for me. I would call this the era of surprises. Um, in more ways than one, uh, just with like how amazing a couple of these were like inside out stands out and everything inside out is definitely the best of this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, and I would agree with you. This is going to be near the top of my list when it's all said and done. Um, but, and brave was better than I thought. And also I would say era of surprises just with how like, you don't know how the plot 
was going to turn out in that. And they did something completely different than the expectation was. And just how like different the good dinosaur was and like the positive changes they made in cars three, like there were, there was, I didn't see a lot of this stuff coming um, and mo- solid entries for the most part. So that's what I would say. What, what would you uh, dissect this as? I dub the, as the era of getting introspective. Okay. They're getting really, they're getting out there with the types of stories they want to tell and how deep these things are going to be. Like, obviously, Inside Out is there, but even Cars 3 has it. The Good Dinosaur clearly has that written all over it. Finding Dory has a lot of stuff going on. It's it's not necessarily about the journey anymore. It's about yeah yeah learning something like it's more about it's more focused on learning something now it seems and i think i I was thinking that that that's a really good point and it's not always the character you think that's on the Mm -hmm. journey um the like these quote-unquote journeys are still taking place but whether it's a sequel where they're just having focusing on someone else or they're just like changing up the story completely to like the normal formula it's kind of a surprise who's going through like the development and the changes that's, that's just really refreshing. I think keeps you on your toes. So which one are we going with? We could just mash like them both. up. We should just mash them up. The surprise the age of surprised introspection. Yeah. I like it. Well, all right. That concludes <laughs> another section and another era of Pixar movies. Ben, I had a great time breaking these down with you to the people listening. We're going to take a short break and come back with a segment of Weiwa. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you are refreshed and excited about Pixar movies after that. We are coming back at you to close this episode out, as we always do, with another segment of What Are You Watching or Weiwa. Ben, you're up this week. And Ben, what are you watching? Well, it wouldn't be an episode of the We Don't Watch Everything podcast if I didn't talk about watching something that came out a long time ago and is no longer relevant and just now finding it. Um, So recently I watched (laughs) (laughs) the best picture winner, not from this year, (laughs) from the year before, uh, Parasite. For the first time and boy this deserved to win best picture <laughs> isn't it amazing it, it's hands down it's, it was controversial for some reason for winning it but because it's, it's like, korean not like the only reason it was controversial because it was in a foreign language and it had subtitles and that didn't matter and at all like it's that was so dumb it, it was the best movie it's, yeah it's not even close like but, it was the best movie to the point I don't even remember what all the nominees were. Well, it was and the, I'm the a, Joker. I, people, I'm, were, a bunch of people were up in arms that the Joker didn't win. If the Dark Knight didn't win Best Picture, the Joker shouldn't have either. Yeah, yeah, but that's not the point. Point is, this was an right. unbelievably made movie. It's hits all the right places. Like, it's it's just an entertaining story. First of all. Mm-hmm. Um, it make it you're invested. It makes you laugh at times. It's so cleverly done. But then there's a lot more going on with like the context and you know the different things it's addressing with like class and wealth mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, but it's, Which, it's just it's just I, like, yeah. Talk. 
Can I comment on the class and economics status of, that the movie talks about? Please do. So Bong Joon-ho, the director writer of this movie, was interviewed about that, and he was talking about how like I went out to make a movie about Korea. Yeah. I wanted to tell a story about Korea and like essentially accidentally told a story that's true for everybody. Oh yeah, and, it's it's so universal. Yeah, and that's where where he's where he saw at least a lot of satisfaction and power that came from the movies that I went something I went out to tell a story specific to me and it ended up being related to by everyone and that was just so crazy. So just just little comments on that. Yeah, just and, a cool and like, little side bit. And like yeah, it's set in Korea and everything, but it never comes across as like there's things going on that like you don't make that don't make sense to you culturally. Like everything is so universal in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you just, you get what's happening because it's all it's like it's family drama and trying to like better yourself and just trying to like hold things together as weird and bizarre as it is the, the super complex plots that these people are, are putting on. Um, it has one of the biggest movie twists I've ever seen. Something that mm-hmm. just hits you on the side of the head with a rock that you do not see coming. Literally. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Like, man, I might rewatch this tonight. You got me hyped. I love it, this movie. It's, it's one of the, it like stops you in your tracks and your jaw drops because like you can't even imagine that this happens. That's, <laughs> that's another reason that the, the fact that it has subtitles and like people didn't want to watch it because of that. It's like, trust me, if you start watching this movie, you're not going to want to look away. No, no, you can't. You're going to want to stick around for the subtitles, no, like regardless of the situation. Like you want to see everything. And it's very, it's like, and when that twist happens, it literally like turns into another movie almost. Oh yeah. The first half is just legitimately fun and entertaining. Like watching them scamming this naive family. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, there's a lot of fun stuff happening there. But then when this twist happens and like everything gets turned on its head and like, it's also interesting that everything like slows down and gets so much more compact. Like the first half of the movie takes place over like weeks and weeks and weeks. And then the last half is like probably what, like 12 hours and Mm, something like that. Yeah. And the the shift that that it goes through um, and gets very gut splittingly violent at the end um yeah but i'll just leave it at that but did, did so you saw this originally i assume a while ago yeah i i got to this movie after the nominees were announced i hadn't heard of it before then but once it once the nominees for the oscars came out i always do my push to try and watch <laughs> as many of them as i could and i watched this like the day before i watched ford versus ferrari and that pretty much just kind of sealed the deal for me it was yeah. like okay yeah this <laughs> And like, obviously I'm no, I I think it's been mentioned a couple of times. Like I'm no stranger to foreign language content. Like I, I watch a lot of things that need subtitles. So that's very, that's very, I'm very used to that. So I understand that struggle that some people have to do that. And I want to be forgiving, but with this one, I just cannot be like, it's, it's too good to let yeah. that bother you. It feels like I, I don't want to say I didn't notice it because you do and it, like, it's obvious, but like, I never felt like I was distracted or like I was like losing focus from the movie, having to like keep up with it. Like there's enough mm-hmm. going on, like just with the way they're emoting and what's happening story-wise, you like understand a lot of it without having to know every single word they're saying. As long as you just you just kind of get the gist of it. Um yeah. 
but um anything else should the people watch it oh yeah 100 percent. you need to watch this add it to your watch list yeah uh it's uh, official i i, I this can't is take, something we do watch i can't take credit for um this observation uh but i want to share it because i thought it was so interesting uh so it's called parasite and i think that like translation of that like the title in korean is more of like the idea of like a freeloader or someone like mooching mm-hmm. off of someone else which is like what this movie is and like you assume like you think it's overtly seems to be this like poorer family being a parasite of this richer family and like sucking these things away from them and living off of them and scamming them but really is it something that's working both ways where the rich family is the one being a parasite to the lower class family um sucking things away from them and benefiting from or thinking they're benefiting because they're just getting completely scammed Mm -hmm. (laughs) but But, at the end of the day the people are still offering a service they are yeah like the dad still drives him places yeah he scammed his way into the job but he still provided that service the the funniest part is that they get their whole family in with this family and yet they're all pretending to be different people yeah that was (laughs) it's a fun dynamic but you also you don't really know who the enemy is like there isn't one it's just these people are plainly who they are like there's Mm -hmm. things to sympathize with and things to like not like about both of them um because like the rich family isn't like evil like they're kind of like they have some problems but um they're not like nefarious or anything and the poor people it's like they're being like criminals and lying but you also kind of sympathize with their like economic situation and they have a good like family bond. Um, it's one of those things where it's intriguing because you're not really sure who's right or who's yeah, wrong. Yeah. Like everyone is all, they're all, no one's perfect in this situation. So it's, it that helps add to the intrigue of it. And, and just told very but, masterfully cyclical way um, from the first shot to the last shot. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, very well done. Can't say enough good things about it. Go watch it. That's all I got. Also, if you do add this movie to your watch list and you enjoy it, there's another Bong Joon-ho movie on Netflix that I really enjoy called Snowpiercer. It might still be on Netflix. Maybe it's on HBO now, but um, this was it's an English movie that he made with Chris Evans a while ago that's on a train. They're actually making a show based on it now. Yeah. I haven't watched the show yeah. yet, but if you like his style, uh, Snowpiercer has a lot of the same DNA in a very like sci-fi type of world, and it's a it's a great watch as well. All right. Oh, and yeah, I, I watched Parasite on Hulu. Uh, it's if if you have Hulu, it's free on there. So um, count it. Yeah. All right. I forgot I to ask. That's my bad. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> all right. Well, that's gonna bring us to another end of a great episode of the We Do Not Watch Everything podcast. Ben, what do you want to do next week? Do you want to maybe like trade movies that we've desperately been wanting the other person to watch? Nothing, nothing will go wrong with that. Have a little movie book club. uh, I can't wait. (laughs) I I mean, it's it's, it's not even close. I didn't even have to think for two seconds to know what movie I was going to make you watch. I didn't even have to think for two seconds either. Yeah. So this is going to go very well. (laughs) Immediate response. So tune in next week to find out what movies we assign to each other and a full on discussion about those movies. Thanks for listening, okay, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Shout out to Germany. <laughs> yeah, we found out we have some German listeners. Uh, so thank you.
Keep Especially. tuning in. Especially. <laughs> okay, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>